All right, grab your flippers. Go ahead and get that snorkel. Find a swim cap. Let's jump right into this. That's not a great intro. How about, uh, buckle up, bitches. It's gonna be a doozy. Nope. I feel like I should script the beginning just so I can get into it. And then the flow begins. But there's something about getting into it that just feels unnatural. I don't know why. Uh, brace yourselves for episode 67. It's going to be a thrill ride. Honestly, should delete all of that. What should I say? Maybe that was a pretty good aspect of sports radio. You get into it with like a real formulaic intro. You tell people the time. 6.51 p.m. right here on a Thursday night. Josh Rosenberg bringing you a podcast episode. Now that sounds very robotic, but at least it was something I could rely on to get me over the hump. And then the brain synapses start firing. But there's something about just beginning. Even conversations with people around work. Hey, how are you? Yeah, it's supposed to be hot. Thank God for the weather. What else would we talk about immediately? And then you get into other topics. Yes, yes, I get it. Especially when you see friends, then you get right to it. But just when you see the average coworker, Hey, good morning. Yeah, it's almost Friday. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. But I don't want to start this podcast that way. I want to start it like we're old friends. And aren't we by now? Come on. Aren't we old friends by now? This little 30-minute, once-a-week dynamic we've created. It's going to be interactive. I hope you realize that. It's going to be interactive tonight. All right, welcome in, everybody. Uh, it finally happened. I will say that where I thought I was going to be fighting off a burglar in the middle of the night. I feel like maybe a few times in my life I've heard a little something and thought, oh my, somebody's in the house. But it was never this serious. A few nights ago, I hear like loud thumping, loud thumping. Look at my digital clock. The glow from my digital clock says 319 a.m. And I'm hearing pounding. I'm here and pounding. I'm here and pounding. I'm like, what kind of burglar is this shitty at his job? Actually, it's not really a job, but what kind of burglar goes bull in a china shop mode? Aren't you supposed to tiptoe? Tiptoe while you steal my TV. Tiptoe while you steal my cell phone. Tiptoe while you steal my beagle. I legitimately am worried that somebody could still steal my beagle, but... That's another topic. So 3.19 a.m. I don't wake up my wife. She's sleeping. We need our sleep. But I hear the thumping. The thumping. And we have a little table in our entryway where we keep keys and sunglasses. And I hear it shake. Sound effects are pretty terrible right now. But I hear the keys shake on the table. So I do believe it could be Muggsy, my old dog, sleepwalking. Do dogs sleepwalk? That's a legitimate question right there. Do dogs sleepwalk? We would never know if we saw a dog sleepwalking. We would just say he's walking, right? <laughs> you would never, ever know if a dog was sleepwalking. I think it's fascinating, by the way, that humans actually do sleepwalk. So weird. Okay, so I'm thinking it could be the dog. And then, no, I look to the left of my bed and there he is. Okay, and then... I think, is this my baby through the monitor? Is it my little girl? You know, making noise in her crib? 
and I look in the monitor, sleeping. All right. Those are the only four living beings in the house. Wife sleeping, beagle sleeping, baby sleeping. I'm still hearing the thumping. I'm still hearing the thumping. And I go, wow, this son of a bitch is not sly at all. This burglar who has broken into my home is just treating it like his own residence. Pots, pans, banging into the fridge, banging into my sofa. So I open the bedroom door and I take a few steps out and I go, okay, yeah. It's the Roomba. It's the old mobile vacuum cleaner. I didn't turn it on. My wife did not turn it on. It just went on at about 319. I could just picture this Roomba eyes opening wide saying, time to clean the crumbs. There was something human-like about this decision. Now, a Roomba is a good idea for most families. But perhaps ours had its timer set for 3.19 a.m.? I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks maybe it was just programmed to fuck with people once in a while. Whatever computer geek was programming this Roomba said, I'm going to mess with somebody. I'm going to scare a family. So when I opened the bedroom door, I figured it's time for a tussle. I grabbed the keys. Not a gun owner. So I grabbed my keys in case the burglar got too close. I'd put that key between my knuckle and boom, pierce him in the neck. I win that fight, right? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know how it goes down. I wasn't that scared though. For some reason. I mean, I woke up scared, but then I kind of convinced myself along the way as I was opening the bedroom door that I could win the fight. I don't know why I was so confident at that hour. I was like, I'm going to win this one. I'm going to grab the keys and I'm going to go ahead and fully assault a stranger in my home. Nope, it's the Roomba. That's how quickly everything happened. Here's real time. Real time is... Opening the door, grabbing the keys, there's the Roomba. Like, not even really a time to process any fear that there's going to be a fight with a burglar. I can't say I dislike the Roomba. It's my Father's Day gift. Um, But it's interesting to be in that moment thinking, this is a home invasion. This is it. And you kind of go through the checklist. Who's awake? Who's asleep? I'm the only one awake? Okay, let's do this. How courageous am I? I feel like I have so many stories where I'm almost courageous. Like Richard Pryor. And all of his movies. He's almost the hero. Almost. But not really. This is a big humble brag that we have a Roomba, by the way. Or maybe it's my first endorsement. So get on down to Sears and buy yourself a Roomba. Actually, ours is not even the Roomba brand. It's not a knockoff either. Maybe it's better than the Roomba brand. Better. Collecting piles and piles of beagle hair each and every day. We actually use it every day. If we didn't, I'd be knee deep. I'm not kidding. Knee deep. All right, so episode 67, this will be my last podcast as a 37-year-old. So send the birthday cards, send the birthday gifts. That's right, I'll be 38 on Sunday. 38! 38! I think 38, I'm repetitive, but I think 38 is the first age that sounds old because you round up. You round that up to 40. You tell someone you're 38 and they just kind of nod slowly and go, okay, so you're about 40? You're about 40? I go, no, 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 38. Round that shit back down, I'm... You know, basically 37. But no, 38, and that is a distinguished gentleman. Speckled gray hair, which is just going to get a little more silver. Let's not use the word gray. Silver from here on out. The old silver fox. Still have the hair. I mean, soon I'll have the yarmulke of baldness. Soon. Give me another few years. But right now, still have the hair. Is it receding? Not too bad. But let's really talk about aging for a moment. Let's really talk about aging. Uh, physically, uh, shoulder hair on on only one shoulder, not a lot of it, 
not like a matted bush, not even a tuft, but just, you know, sporadic shoulder hair on one shoulder. Hey, 38, where'd you come from? Uh, ear hair as well. Still pluckable though. Like it's not coming through. It's not coming through like weeds yet. Like where you just give up, you tap out. You see people in their yeah, 80s, they tap out. They just go, that's my ear hair. It's coming at you like a party favor. It remains. But now I can still groom it down, groom it out, gel it down. Ew. Who gels their ear hair? Maybe when I'm 80, you never know. You never know. Holy shit. The physical aspects of aging are as demoralizing as they are funny. Like if I take a photo in the wrong light, it's just a wrinkled face. It's just an old catcher's mitt. I have like serious forehead wrinkles, got the crow's feet, some things around the mouth. I say, these are my smiling lines. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Wrinkled like a motherfucker. Did not wear a lot of sunblock growing up, I don't think. Now I do in the spray form. Got to be the spray form when you have a beard. Otherwise, you're just going to cake it in. Cake it in to your beard. How do bearded men, like real bearded men, do sunblock on the face? You don't rub it into the hair, do you? I don't know. But yeah, got a wrinkled face, uh, hair coming out of areas where you don't really want it. Foot pain immediately in the morning, but it subsides. It's like immediate foot pain when you walk to the toilet and then it goes away. The arch of my foot, like piercing pain that I won't even let get to me because I just go, yeah, that's gone by coffee time. Uh, coffee, not just a beverage, of course not. Uh, my battery. A day without coffee would be a dull headache into a little sliver of depression and rage. I think, I think I would lash out at somebody by noon. By noon, I'd be reported to HR if I didn't have coffee. Yeah, by noon, I'd be getting an email from the district. Yeah, we're going to have to discuss a few things. So yeah, at least two cups, not more than four. Fiber intake. Need more than ever. Don't need to go too deep into that, but more fiber, please. And in no way could I play more than 20 minutes of basketball. Like if I was playing pickup basketball, I'd probably be involved in a couple of games and then officially tap out. I, I'd become the coach. Hey, I'm just going to coach this next uh, pickup game. Really? Yeah. And winded is part of the issue. I'd be fully winded in 20 minutes of pickup basketball. I used to be able to play like three hours of pickup basketball. Like you do a day of basketball. I remember the days. I remember the days. A day of pickup basketball. Now, maybe 17 to 20 minutes before I jam a finger, twist an ankle, or just maybe foul a guy. So we have to stop playing for a moment for me to catch my breath. And I'm not that out of shape. I'm just 38 on Sunday. 38. This is normal stuff. Uh, the inability to go on any bachelor party for more than one night. When I was young, bachelor parties were like three, four nights of straight chaos, buffoonery, just animal-like behavior. Now, bachelor party? I, I almost think it's one of my top fears. Rattlesnakes, death, and being invited to a bachelor party. How do I survive that? I don't think I could. You know, we used to just stuff 15 guys in a hotel room. Who cares where you end up? You won't know. You won't remember. Just get your ass to the airport the next day. Make sure you don't miss your flight. That was the rule. Now, forget it. Just forget it. This body doesn't recover like it used to, folks. But mentally, so sharp, so wise. You know, aging, like I've said before, that's the beauty of it. Some people don't like it. Some people even avoid celebrating their birthdays. Hell no. We get wiser. We learn more. We get smarter. 
We learn how to love. We learn how to love. That's my philosophy. How do I just end a whole rant full of nonsense with, and that's my philosophy. I also thought of this real quick. Single moms, we don't give them enough credit. A lot of my friends had single moms growing up. A lot of them. It was so normal. But now I see my wife and I, you know, we're equally tired, but we're married and raising this kid together. And we only have one and it tires us out. It exhausts us to have one child. It's exhausting. And we get drained, legitimately drained. Yet we're two people married, balancing most duties around the house with one child. Single moms. What? How did they do it? Seriously. How did they do it? Well, the ones that did it well, it's pretty astounding. I'm pausing right now for an applause break. Clap, clap for those single moms out there who did a very good job. But it's true now, 37, 38 years old, I don't have a lot of friends that are doing it alone. Seems like that would have been the normal way in a previous generation. But I do have about six friends that are divorced now, but none that I know right now that are just primarily raising a kid alone. That's so incredibly hard to even think about. Maybe single moms, though, back in the day had to rely on their kids having friends. Like, just go on a play date this weekend. And they weren't called play dates. Like, my group of friends, we hung out so often. There's so many sleepovers. Maybe it was our way of giving relief, a little respite to the moms. Like, in high school, you just leave on a Friday night. Come back on Sunday. Sleep over at a friend's house. Yeah, bring a toothbrush. Bring a bag. Change your clothes. Really, it was normal. That was very normal. I can't imagine that being normal right now. Like with my daughter, when she's in high school, for her to just say, all right, farewell on a Friday night and I'll see you on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm going to have two sleepovers in a row. Might pop in for a shower. But that is what we were doing when I was in high school. Boom, group of friends was out and about. Sleepover, sleepover. Sleepover, sleepover, sleepover. It was not even like festive sleepovers. It was just crash to give your single mom a moment away from you. Go elsewhere. Just leave the house and walk to the nearest park. Give that single mom a break. That's why I like Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn, the stand-up comic, he says, every city I go to, I find a single mom and buy her tickets, buy her drinks, make sure she just has a night out. Buy the babysitter. That would also be key. All right, here's how dumb we are. You ready for this? Humans, I guess, smart and dumb simultaneously. It's true. We are. All of us. All of us. Even the smartest human you could think of right now. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I bet he does some dumb shit. Stephen Hawking, I bet he did a lot of dumb stuff. Seriously, think of the smartest person you know right now. Even a friend of yours does some dumb stuff. So here we are thinking we're so smart, right? Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if we now still look at the human race and go, God, we're brilliant. I think there's a large emphasis on our mistakes. But I finally saw a percentage of how many people actually use Twitter versus the impact people think they have on Twitter. All right, so the most recent study said only 22% of Americans use Twitter. That's it. So I'll just go about two out of 10. Two out of 10. That's a small percentage. But tweets get discussed on other news outlets. Tweets get discussed on late night TV shows. Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. Conan, they discuss celebrity tweets. So I get it that you don't have to be on Twitter to know about how people tweet. But here's what I'm saying when I mean we're so dumb. We act like if people have 
50 comments under a tweet or a thousand retweets or a thousand likes that it reflects a certain percentage of Americans. It doesn't. It doesn't. It could even be bots. Social media is not a great reflection of America's opinions on things. It's not. Like right now, if I sent out a tweet, right now, me personally, if I sent out a tweet and I got 17 retweets, that would somehow wire my brain to believe like it was very important. What I just put out there on Twitter was very important because 17 humans retweeted it. Or even worse, if three people underneath a tweet, three, said, hey, you're a moron, you're an idiot, nobody likes you. That would probably affect me deeply. It would actually make the world seem sad in that moment. Three. So right now, what is there? Like 320 million people in America? And when Donald Trump sends out a tweet and there's, what, 200,000 people liking it? Or 300 comments below? We think that's a reflection of America? It's not. There's probably a good amount of people in America, the majority, who don't know anything about Twitter. They're not on Twitter. They're not looking at tweets. But it's also blown out of proportion. It's completely misadvertised as capturing the pulse of how Americans feel or the essence of how somebody is valued through what they're putting out there on these social media sites. I mean, it's, it's more empty than you think. It's amazing that it does consume people because when you see that percentage, only about 22% of Americans are using Twitter and it's just within that group that it gets exacerbated, these thoughts, these ideas that people are either so influential and we call them influencers. I don't really buy into that all that much. Oh, he's an influencer. He's got 30,000 people who follow his every moment. If it fills a void in your life, wonderful, wonderful. And I like Twitter. I think there's a lot of good things about it. I think there's a lot of comedy about it. I think the way news breaks on it is interesting from a journalistic standpoint. I really like it. I feel up to date on news when I'm following credible sources or sports scores, or anything like that. But the toxic world of trolling and opinions and people thinking that certain narratives are set in stone, like, this is how America feels. We should never say shit like that. You know, most Americans feel this way. Yeah, a lot of Americans right now feel this way. We don't know. We really don't. What, is it because your feed on Facebook says that? Your Twitter world says that? Your group of friends says that? We don't know. We're the divided states. We don't know. I don't know how Americans feel. Because the TV shows I choose to watch tell me this. Like the worst thing is for me to be in this bubble and actually think that reflects an entire country. This is a big country. Over 320 million. I don't know how Americans feel. No clue. And I never will. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Even the voting process is very misleading. Whoa, how political is this? Hey, why don't you get back to the Roomba story? So I grabbed the keys, right? All right. Well, let me bring up somebody that actually has been influential in American history, and his name is Steve. Steve, you ask? Jobs? Nope. Wozniak. The Woz. The real programmer who developed the first Apple computer back in 1976 when he was about 26 years old. 25, 26-year-old Steve Wozniak in a garage with his buddy Steve Jobs. Oh, they're going to start a little company called Apple. It worked out. So Wozniak now he's worth over $100 million. Life's good. For the Waz. If I was him, I'd make everybody call me that. The Waz. He looks like a cartoon. He looks like something from the early Simpsons, like when it was a part of the Tracy Ullman show. Steve Wozniak. He's kind of adorable, let's be honest. So I saw a TED Talk. 
years ago, and I show my students this when Steve Wozniak, he says, you know, a lot of us start out as babies exploring the world. We open cabinets, we open cupboards, we get dirty, and it's normal. You just get into things. It's how you discover the world. And then as you progress into the modern public education system, we shove you into classrooms with about 30 other kids. We shove you into a desk and then things become a little standardized. This is what Steve Wozniak's point was during a TED talk. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And he said, then all of a sudden we measure your intelligence by providing assessments where there is a common answer that everybody should have. You know, the old world of multiple choice. You should answer B. If the correct answer is B, you should answer B. And if you get it wrong, well, maybe you should start to doubt your own intelligence. And he goes on to say, but if you even mention anything about disagreeing with the system, you know, if you question authority, you question your teacher, question your parents, question law enforcement, question politicians, he goes, at a young age, they'll view you as disruptive. It's true. If you're in line with the early education process. Like if you're a good kid in kindergarten and you're good, you get good grades, good marks, and you cooperate, you collaborate, you work well with others. You're just like a shining star of a student through elementary school and middle school. And even through high school, people are going to view you as smart, intelligent. You know, he'll be a success. She will be a success. Look at her. She gets A's on her tests. She gets A's. And then on the flip side, if you don't, Let's say you don't feel like you fit in. You don't like your teachers. You don't like the system. You don't like being in a classroom shoved into a desk, spending your day that way. Then society might tell you, you're dumb. You're not going to succeed. And the way Wozniak says it goes against our human nature because he says humans should keep exploring. I don't think he's anti-school. I don't think that was the point. But he basically just said we should measure intelligence a little differently. So ask yourself that question right now. How do you measure if somebody's smart or not? Do you look at their transcripts? From college? Do you look at what job they have? How do you really know if you're talking to somebody who's smart? Think about your group of friends right now. Who's smart? Think about somebody in your family. Who's intelligent? Who's an intellect? And now ask yourself, why? It's a tough question. I ask my students that. I go, we don't measure people when we meet them with A's. So I don't want you to feel only evaluated in this classroom by an A, one letter, one grade, a successful experience. I mean, I still have to give grades, but there's a large percentage of kids that must think that they are not intelligent because they don't fit into that mold, into that structured, organized system that's been in place for hundreds of years. And then you got a guy like Wozniak who's able to understand software, who's an innovative pioneer in the world of software development and programming. And we would say, he's brilliant, right? I don't need to see his grades from high school. I just go, yeah, he's a brilliant dude. Maybe it's how people seek knowledge. I'm trying to answer it myself. How do I know if somebody's smart? I don't know. Just seeming informed. There's, there's also street smart, the ability to read a room, creativity, all these things. I don't know. Because on the flip side, there's a lot of straight A students that I'm not sure I would label so intelligent. 4.0 straight A's across the board because some people know how to play the game called school. The game. Not to say these are cheaters who look to cut corners, but school could also be like a competitive game show. Can you play school? That means show up on time, take notes, do your reading, study, memorize, study, memorize, treat people well, do everything that syllabus tells you to do, and you could ace all these classes. And a lot of these kids will feel smart 
and have some pride in their abilities, and that's all good. But, you know, there's a few. There's a few who are kind of able to manipulate the system a little bit. I've had amazing students who get C's in my class. Amazing. They're insightful. They're engaging. They just miss deadlines or they don't study for a test. But I go, that's probably one of the brightest minds I've seen. Did not care to hit my deadlines. Didn't care to turn in assignments, but you just know. It's a smart kid. It's a great TED Talk. It's one of them. I could go on and on and on about it with the Waz, but I'll stop there because I got to get to something that's so important. So important. And uh, I hope you're sitting down for this because this is my serious voice. Um, this might be the moment where you stop listening to the podcast. You, you made it this far. You got to episode 67. And I assume at times you like the content of this podcast. I assume at times you go, you know what? I like it. I like what he's saying. Works for me. I relate to it. This guy speaks the truth on occasion. Well, that all might end right now. It all might end. You might be listening right now and realize, uh-oh, this is a little more sophomoric and juvenile than I was hoping. You know, he's supposed to be a grown man. Doesn't he turn 38 on Sunday? So why is he about to start talking about farts? Why? Wasn't he just talking about measuring intelligence and social media influence? Wasn't he just tackling the hot topics of the USA? And now he's just going to go into farts? You clean it up, good sir. I will not. I will not. And I don't just mean farts. Farts. I mean fart sounds. The sounds. Personally, I'm ashamed of myself because I would have thought by this age, fart sounds aren't funny. It's for kids. It's for kids. Fart sounds. But the other day, my daughter is just doing the old pursed lips. Exhale. Through her lips. And we both started laughing. And I go, okay, all right, here's where it starts. You know, the ability to put out a good old-fashioned fake fart sound out of your mouth. At this point, I would like you to try. If you're still listening to this, I'd like you. I don't know where you are right now, maybe listening in your car. But do your best. Fake fart sound out of your mouth. I guarantee it won't be the first time. Isn't that weird? And if it is, give it your best. If right now is your first opportunity, even if you're around people, maybe you're listening with earbuds, Maybe you're on a walk right now. Maybe you're at your desk. I don't know where you are listening. Maybe you're at the gym. But I'd like you to just give it a whirl. Go ahead. Go ahead right now. Just do a fart sound out of your mouth. Okay? There's a lot of different techniques. A lot. And my daughter, she's one for one. You know, straight pursed lips at a center field letter rip. So growing up, I think I did the classic put your tongue toward the top rack of teeth, push it up through the top lip. Decent. Decent. Okay. I would say it's okay. Now there's also the full tongue out of the mouth, drop it down to the right from the bottom lip. And you could kind of adjust the sounds on the bass on that. It's okay. You know, not the best, not the worst you've ever heard. But it's interesting how everybody has attempted this with whatever's comfortable. And some of you have multiple. You know, there's just the lips. No tongue involved at all. And that could go even higher. And it could go even lower. 
you know, get it through the neck. Put some bass in that if you have to. Now, there's also, if you put the tongue against your teeth and let it rip out the side of your mouth, sounds a little more wet. Like I said, this might be the last time you check into this podcast. You might say, not working for me anymore, pal. That's okay. I think now's the time to whittle it down. We're not looking to grow this thing any further. But if I hear somebody else do the fake fart sound, it's even funnier than the real thing. The fake fart noise that my daughter is working on right now. She'll get better. She'll get better. She'll learn all the techniques into a into a that's a triple that's what we call the trifecta you know that's tongue to the lips to the teeth tongue to the lips to the teeth shove it to the top rack shove it to the low rack and maybe right now you're saying rosenberg you have forgotten the classic ripping the old ripping of the fart that's just straight paper straight out the side of the lips to the left aim it to the left and really send it through with a big exhale Sounds like you're opening the zipper to a tent, right? But that's four or five options. Okay, you know who you are. You know what category you fall into when it comes to producing these magnificent sounds. So I want you to harness all of this and realize that I'm a 38-year-old on Sunday and I just produced that type of content. I'm a grown man with a microphone in front of my face. Okay, I'm recording all this bullshit. I'm about to just send it out there into the podcast world. My wife's in the other room. Now, she's a real adult. So she's probably doing something like watching Downton Abbey and knitting right now and sipping some tea. And little does she know that her husband, the guy she married about three years ago, is just in here ripping him out of his mouth. Sorry, I apologize. All right, so that'll do it for episode 67. I love you. I do. I appreciate listening. Uh, No need to leave a review on iTunes after this one. But let's be Twitter friends on Twitter at jrosenberg957. Episode 67 is in the books. I'll talk to you soon.